This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. Barnabas wasn't ignorant of grace. Remember, he had already been ministering to these people in Antioch. They had already been out on missionary journeys together. Barnabas understood this. Barnabas understood what grace was, but you know what? He got caught up in a bit of legalism. And beloved, the sad thing is, is how easy it is for that to happen to any of us. To declare grace on one hand, and yet demand the law on another hand. As Pastor David continues his character study on Barnabas, he will be teaching us the dangers of legalism. Even though Barnabas was known to be a mighty man of God, a son of encouragement and gracious, he still had a moment in his life when he fell into legalism. This goes to show that no matter how spiritual you are, no matter how strong you are, you must always remain diligent against falling into a works mentality. You're saved by grace through faith, not of works. Let's join Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 13, verse 13, for our continuing study on Barnabas. There's probably not a, not a worse thing that could happen in, in a military sense than for someone, an individual, to abandon the, the mission and leaving their brothers-in-arms still in the mission, and they go back. And, and I look at this with, with Paul's attitude of John Mark. John Mark abandoned the mission. I think to Barnabas, no, he, he, he just went home. He just went home. Two different mindsets, two different attitudes, but the same thing that took place. Uh, flip over to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians 2. In verse 13, listen to what it reads. This is just the New King James. It says, And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. What was going on there is here they were, a lot of Gentiles were coming to the Lord. Peter, who had been given that vision, remember earlier on in the book of Acts, hey, you know, you, you need to go and, and to Cornelius's house. And Cornelius, man, they're, they're Gentiles. Peter had been given that vision of the sheet, uh, the sheet dropping down with all the bugs on it and the Lord telling him to eat. So the Lord opened his eyes and, hey, it's okay to be with the Gentiles. So Peter comes to Antioch, there's all these Gentiles, and so Peter's fine, he's hanging out with the guys, he, he's eating with them, he's fellowshipping with them, and then suddenly, from Jerusalem, come the, these, these Christians who are, uh, well, in essence, Judaizers. They're, they're still stuck in the law. And so as they come, Peter is kind of twisted and pulled, he feels kind of embarrassed, though he knows that there ought to be freedom in his life because he's no longer under the law. Now because these Judaizers come, Peter pulls himself away from these Gentiles, and as soon as Peter does it, well, Peter, I mean, like, Peter's Peter, you know, so, like, he's, he's one of the top guys. And so Barnabas looks at that, and so he starts backing off as well as some of the other disciples. Well, when Paul saw that, Man, he's, he's fuming at the guilds with that. Because, man, you guys are doing exactly what you should not do. Suddenly, grace is of no value because now you're saying, no, it's, it's the law. And these people have been set free from the law. Listen to what, what he says. Um, verse 14. When I, and when I saw, that's, that's Paul speaking. And when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel. What is the truth of the gospel? 
For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Not by law, but by grace. Paul says, man, when I saw what they were doing with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, if you, being a Jew, live in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ, not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. Beloved, that's a powerful, powerful declaration. And if you miss that in your Christian life, you put yourself back under the burden of the law. And none of us can hold that. The Jews couldn't hold it, and you and I can't hold it either. And Paul goes on, and I want to finish this for you because, again, just the declaration of it. Verse 17, he says, But if, while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinful, is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Now, wait a minute, in, in, in my life, even, even as a believer, if I find myself sinful, does that mean that Christ is, again, a minister of sin? He says, certainly not. He says, for if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, died to the law in order that I might live to God. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. I mean, I could, man, that, that's, that, you could preach on that all day long. Well, let's get back to Barnabas. Barnabas wasn't ignorant of this. Barnabas wasn't ignorant of grace. Remember, he had already been ministering to these people in Antioch. They had already been out on missionary journeys together. Barnabas understood this. Barnabas understood what grace was, but you know what? He got caught up in a bit of legalism. And beloved, the sad thing is, is how easy it is for that to happen to any of us. To declare grace on one hand, and yet demand the law on another hand. And as soon as we start demanding the law, then grace is of no value. Beloved, that's not the hope of the gospel. Legalism is a tempting, tempting mistress. And when we think that we've got control of that, she only brings death. Only death. They're sent from Antioch now to meet with elders of the church there in Jerusalem about this very thing, about the law. This time it's dealing with the whole idea of circumcision. And they come up and they meet with the elders and the apostles there at the church of Jerusalem about this whole idea of keeping the ceremonial law, keeping circumcision, and how, okay, as a believer you have to do that now. And that's the battle that, that man still rages in so many people's hearts. It's not that we live our lives of sin, but we are not under the law. 
later this this little happening here was known as uh, they call it the synod or the council of Jerusalem. There there was a desire to to serve the Lord. There was there was a desire to be right with the Lord, and and I don't want to fault them in that, and I don't and I don't want you to think that in what's going on here that that there was there was a deceitfulness there. No, they they were going with the understanding that they had. They went with the understanding that they knew from the Word of God at that point in time, and with that they had all the tradition that 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 they had brought with them. And the reality is, is every one of us look at the Word of God through the sunglasses of our past experience. And every one of us, if if we've been taught in one area or another in the past, we, we, we bring those things even now. And it's only through the Holy Spirit of God that suddenly stuff starts, man, I've been reading this Word for years. I've taught this Word for years. And yet suddenly the Lord's revealed something in there to me that it's not a new gospel, it's not different, but suddenly I see it differently. Beloved, that, that, that is the work of the Holy Spirit on a believer as they're growing and as they're maturing in the Lord. Now understand quickly, it's got to balance. God's not going to you know, uh, argue with himself. There's got to be a balance. There's got to be an understanding with that. But what's going on here is now they've come in, and James, who is the, the brother of the Lord, the one who wrote the book of James, he's kind of a spokesman for the church there in Jerusalem. And he says, hey, we can't handle this burden. Why, why, why should we put this on the Gentiles? We know the law. We've grown up in the law, generations in the law, and we can't keep the law. Uh, what makes us think that we're going to take these pagans uh, that, that have come to Christ and say, okay, now you've got to back up you know, hundreds of years and, and, and start putting all this stuff on top of you. And so he gives them this very simple thing. It says, write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood. Uh, for, for Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every synagogue, being read in the synagogue every Sabbath. They, in essence, they said, you know what? The most important thing in your life is that you would love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And just move from there. And we've shared that with you guys on multiple occasions. The fact is, is it's that it's that heart relationship. Even Ben and I were talking about that this evening. It's it's that heart relationship that we have. And in that heart relationship, we're going to make the right choices. We're going to be doing the right thing. It's not the law that does it. Okay, so where does that bring us in all of this? So down in verse 22. Then it pleased the apostles and the elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch, to go back to Antioch, with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who was also named Barsabas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren. And they wrote this letter by them. The apostles, the elders, and the brethren, to the brethren who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. Since we've heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with words unsettling your souls, saying you must be circumcised, you must keep the law, to whom we gave no such command, 
It seems good to us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word or mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. So they sent them off. They went back to Antioch. They gathered the multitude together. They read the letter. They received the letter with great encouragement. And then Judas and Silas, themselves being prophets also, exhorted, they strengthened the brothers with many words. And after they had stayed there for a time, they were sent back with greetings from the brethren to the apostles. In other words, they, uh, 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 Judas and them, they went back to the apostles. However, it seemed good to Silas, though, to remain there. Paul and Barnabas also remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many other were and with many others also. Then after some days, verse thirty six, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Great idea. Man, we planted a bunch of churches. Come on, Barnabas, let's go back, check on these guys, make sure they're still strong in the Lord, encourage them. You're a good encourager. Man, I'll, 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 I'll get the guys that are coming against you. You encourage them. So, you know, here, Paul and Barnabas, they were going to go out. And so they, they went and says, let us go back. Now Barnabas, though, in verse 37, Barnabas was determined to take with them John, called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. This was such a big deal that, as it says in verse 39, then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. Where was Barnabas' hometown? Cyprus. He took Timothy with him said, let's go to Cyprus, you and me. Or not Timothy, I'm sorry, John Mark. Took him to, I don't know where Timothy is at this point in time. They'll, they'll get Timothy a little bit later, actually, in the next chapter. Uh, but uh, they went to Cyprus. And, but verse 40, But Paul chose Silas and departed, being command, commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. It's interesting in all of this, as we, we look, this division that, that takes place, suddenly these two guys... Barnabas had poured his heart and life into Saul and to Paul. Paul and Barnabas had faced a lot of a lot of struggles in the areas of ministry. Their life literally had been on the line. We read that that these guys had laid their life on the line for the gospel. Now it comes time for them to go back and to check on things, see how things are going again. And so suddenly there is this division. It's funny. It's Right here, the, the scripture pretty much ceases in any declaration about Barnabas at all. We don't hear about Barnabas other than in a few occasions of Paul's writings. As a matter of fact, Martin Luther and John Calvin in their studies of the scripture believe that 2 
Corinthians actually speaks about Barnabas. And this is later in, in Paul's life. So if you think they had this division and suddenly these guys, I don't like him anymore. I don't like him anymore. We're going we're gonna to start two churches. No, they, 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 they came to a disagreement in, in what was going to happen. One went one way, one went the other way. But what was Paul's heart toward Barnabas? Someone, it, well, why don't we all just uh, uh, turn to Second Corinthians, if you would. Just keep going off to your right for a couple of books. Second Corinthians chapter 8. Listen to these words. In Second Corinthians chapter 8, uh, I'm going to begin in verse 16. Paul writes, but thanks be to God who puts the same earnest care for you into the heart of Titus. Paul is saying, I'm, I'm going to be sending Titus to you. He has my same heart for you. For he not only accepted the exhortation, but being more diligent, he went to you of his own accord. And we have sent with him, and, and catch this, verse 18. We have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. And not only that, but who was also chosen by the churches to travel with us with this gift, which is administered by us to the glory of the Lord himself, to show your ready mind. Some think that this other one that he's speaking about might be Barnabas again at some later time rejoining. He just doesn't list his name. He says in verse 20, avoiding this, that anyone should blame us in this lavish gift which is administered by us, providing honorable things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. And we have sent with them our brother, whom we have often proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent because of the greater confidence which uh, we have in you. And he goes on to say, if you inquire about Titus, he's my partner, he's my fellow worker. But there's, a, there's another person that he speaks of here. And we just wonder, could that be Barnabas, that later on, you know, even in the mix of those things. One of the things we do know is that later on in Paul's life, a change happens. I believe it's a change that happens to two men. One to a young guy by the name of John Mark, but also to... This, this evangelizing prophet, Paul. I think in John Mark's life, he spent some time in Cyprus being encouraged, being challenged, being lifted up by his cousin or his uncle, Barnabas. Because later in Paul's life, actually, keep going to your right. Um, if, if you get to Hebrews, you've gone too far. Go to Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 9. Paul writing now, at the very end of his life, Paul, Paul is about ready to be martyred. He's, he's an old man now. He's been in prison for a while. And he's writing now to young Timothy his second time. And now in chapter 4, beginning in verse 9, he says, Be diligent to come to me quickly, uh, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. Christians for Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. And then he says this, get Mark. This Mark is most likely the John Mark that was with him, that abandoned the mission that Paul didn't have time for or care for the next time, that now in his older life he says, you know what, bring Mark. Bring Mark with you. He says, and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. 
I think that Barnabas's influences on John Mark made him a usable vessel and somebody that's usable in ministry, even for a man like the Apostle Paul. So real quickly in closing, so what about Barnabas? First of all, we see that he was willing to be a vessel of the Lord, understanding that all he had belonged to the Lord. Remember, he willingly sacrificed in order to be a blessing to others. That's a character trait that every one of us need to have. Whether we have a lot or whether we have a little, we need to understand it's the Lord's and we need to be willing to let the Lord work through us. Secondly, I see he was a man willing to encourage and assist others. He was a guy that stood in the gap for this Saul of Tarsus. He stood in the gap at the risk really of his own reputation to to introduce and to support this other brother. Uh, Barnabas came and says, no, I'll, I'll stand with this guy. Uh, he, he put his own reputation on the line. He was willing to stand there with Paul, or with Saul at that time, in the introduction there in Jerusalem. He was also a guy, thirdly I see, he was a man of integrity, a man of good reputation. And we read about that earlier. And beloved, it takes a lifetime to build a good reputation and only moments to destroy it. And it may take the rest of your lifetime to rebuild it back up again. The next thing I see is he was a man that was willing to go. He wasn't a guy that was so set in his ways that, hey, you know what, I'm pretty well comfortable now. I'm doing fine. Uh, I, I, I like Jerusalem. I'm living here. Things are good. No, he was a guy who was willing to go. He was, he was willing to go as the Lord led him, despite whatever the course was, despite what the situation was. He was willing to go. I guess my question for all of us are, are you willing to go wherever the Lord leads you? Or do we say, Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. Just don't send me to Ajo. Just, 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 just don't send me you know, here or, or, or there. Or don't make me do this. Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do. Well, except maybe this and this and this. You know, that's, that's not the heart of surrender. The heart of surrender, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'm, I'm yours. I'm your slave. I, I'm your prisoner. Barnabas was a man that was willing to go. Next I see that Barnabas was a man who knew when he needed assistance. He was, he was a guy that knew when he needed assistance. There he was in Antioch. The Lord was moving in a powerful way. And he said, man, I need to get somebody. I, I, I need to get another hand with me. He, he was willing to admit, I believe, his, his limitations and to seek those who were able to assist him. And so he went and got Saul from Tarsus, brought him back to Antioch. I also see that he was a man that wasn't after a title. So many people today want to have a title. I'll serve the Lord if I get this title, or if I get, if man, you know, if I can be the director in charge of this or this, or if I get ordained. We had a guy who was, oh man, don't even go there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all he wanted was a title, and we fired him. We got rid of him. And that was years ago. I don't know if any of you guys were even here at that time. You remember? Yeah, yeah, okay. And we, we got shed of that, you know, uh, because he wanted a title. It wasn't a heart of service. It wasn't a heart of ministry. I don't care if anybody even knows I'm here. I just want to serve the Lord. I just want to be found faithful. That's the kind of guy that Barnabas was. He recognized that it was the Lord's work, and the Lord raises up whomever he will. So it became, from Barnabas' 
and Saul to suddenly Paul and Barnabas to suddenly it was just Paul that was doing it. But Barnabas didn't quit doing the work of the Lord. The next thing I see, he was a man that was willing to stand for his convictions and he was willing to stand up for others. You might think, well, Paul was this dynamo. Well, Barnabas was kind of this. No, he was willing to stand up for others. No, he, no longer in, in the limelight of things. He, he ministered now to the church there in Cyprus. And he ministered, I believe, to this disheartened, this discouraged young John Mark. Poured himself into this young guy's life. He was willing to stand up against Paul because he saw in John Mark something that was there. It wasn't completely blossomed out yet. It wasn't complete. But he was willing to stand up even to Paul and say, no, this kid is worth saving. This kid is worth doing something with. This kid is worth discipling and encouraging. Barnabas, the man who encouraged and was an encourager. So how about you? Are you an encourager or are you a finger pointer? I believe that one of the greatest traits we could have as believers is to be an encourager. The Bible is full of people who followed God, some before Jesus came, some after. Pastor David will share insights from the lives of some of these followers with hopes that our own personal characters will be enriched and that we'll become better disciples for Jesus. You can get a free copy of today's teaching at our website. Simply log on to www.theopenword.com. That's theopenword.com. Although the open word is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's word from beginning to end. If not, we'd like to invite you to join us for worship at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande on Saturday evenings, Sunday mornings, or Wednesday evenings. For service times, driving directions, and more information, log on to theopenword.com and follow the link to the Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande website. Make sure and check out our Facebook page, log on to theopenword.com, and then follow the link to the Open Word Facebook page. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word with David Landry. Please join us next time for the next edition of The Open Word.